In today's show, we're looking back on the regular season of the Dallas Mavericks. Michael Bolton? Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to do a Dallas Mavericks season in review. Their season is almost over. At the time of me recording this, they're 3-0 down against the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals, I believe. Maybe I'm wrong. No, yeah, that's right. Game four is today. So by the time you listen to this, their season might be over. But we're going to talk what really matters more for fantasy, and that's the regular season with a little bit of playoff talk chucked in there. Before I get into doing that, though, hey, if you are watching on YouTube, can you drop a comment down below? I want you to drop a comment. I'm going to ask this question. Luka Doncic. I'll talk about my opinion on this soon, but Luka Doncic. Is he a top five fantasy player in both category and points leagues for next season? Would you draft him in the top five? I'll talk about it soon. Drop in the comment what your thought is on that. But let's look at this Mavericks team. Who? And I know people love throwing this out there. Oh, what do you think of Jason Kidd now, Josh? Oh, Jason Kidd, worst coach in the NBA. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't think he should have got another head coaching job. I've said that many times. Terrible um, record as a human, bad coaching record, but he learned as a member of the Lakers. He started off this season really poorly, but then coached really, really well. Some of the things in the Western Conference Finals haven't been great, especially his statement, hey, if you miss four threes in a row, don't take any more, or something. Yeah, that's paraphrasing. That's weird um, and not how you should coach at all, especially when your team is built like this. But he has significantly improved. That's great. He worked. He went back and he worked as an assistant coach and he improved in some of his coaching stuff. And he was much better. He's definitely not the best coach in the NBA, but he's definitely not the worst coach in the NBA. He's pushed himself up the rankings and I got no problem with admitting that when things change. Um, that's what we do. We reassess based on data. Again, I still wouldn't have given him that extra job, but I'm not in those interviews to see what, what's happened. Uh, and I still think there could have been other coaches they could have gotten in that could have driven the Mavericks to a level of success. But he's here, he did well, and he improved significantly. They finished 52 and 30, fourth in the NBA Western Conference, 15th best offense, sixth best defense. I think getting the sixth best, best, sixth best defense out of this team is huge considering you're playing big minutes of Luka Doncic and you had Tim Hardaway and you had an immobile and injured Kristaps Porzingis. Um, that's massive. Like Having only the 15th best offense when you've got Luka Doncic is maybe a negative mark against where the team is. But overall, it's a really solid run. Beating Phoenix, especially in that game seven, huge effort there. Beating the Jazz, some really good playoff success. It might mask a little bit of the concerns around this team is getting as far as they did. That's somewhat of a worry, I think, as we move forward. Is that if they had have lost in six to the Suns, 
the expectations for next season may not be as high. The faith in the roster might not have been as um, inflated as what it might be as we move forward. So it's something we're going to have to watch as we move into next season to see what that, I won't say lucky, but unexpected win against the Suns um, means for this team as we um, move forward in the future. In terms of free agency, the guys that they obviously need to pay attention to is Jalen Brunson, who's an unrestricted free agent, and we're hearing his name all the time as a $20 million a year player. Yeah, 480 plus um, Knicks, Pistons are the two main teams that you hear. Will he come back? They've got bird rights on him here in Dallas, but will he come back to Dallas? I, I don't know. That's the real big one there. They've got also Theo Pinson and Moses Wright as restricted free agents. Not that uh, you know they're huge, big, uh, big issues for that this team or the huge contributors or anything like that. But that, that's where our free agency sort of sits with those guys. Trey Burke has a three point three million dollar player option, and Frankie Nilakina is non guaranteed for uh, two million. I actually, said Pinson was restricted. He's not. He's actually unrestricted. But they're the major um, free agency things that they need to take care of in this offseason. So it's not going to leave them with a huge amount of cap space or anything uh, along those lines. In fact, they've got no cap space. So they've got a, basically a full roster and you know, $151 million allocated in caps, cap room at the moment, which includes Brunson's cap hold. So it is going to be really intriguing, I think, to see um, what happens with Brunson and what direction, if they lose him, the replaceability is really hard. Like, how do they replace him? with their roster, and that's going to hurt a lot. So we'll see exactly what does happen uh, with this Mavericks team. Big uh, win free agency starts off, but I'm going to tell you about Bilt Bar. As you guys are well aware, I went away. I was in France and came back, package on the doorstep from Bilt Bar. I, I couldn't believe it. Bilt Bar, you sent me a box. It was amazing. Their new flavor, birthday cake puffs. Cracked it straight open, smashed it down my gob, and it was amazing. If you don't know what Built Bar is, well, I'm here to tell you. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar's protein bars taste like candy bars. They've also got another new flavor, brownie batter puffs. I haven't got those ones yet, Built. You want to send them out and I'll uh, let you know there because they are a great flavor as well. The puffs are like protein-infused marshmallow. It's such a great taste, a great texture, and it gets you those high proteins, low carbs, low calories, and low fat straight into your body. And these bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. It's amazing stuff. In fact, this brownie butter, br- brownie batter puff, it's got 17 grams of protein. That's a lot of protein. They'll help you basically just, if you're reaching for a treat, hey, you're doing something good for your body, but also pumping it full of that protein. So go to built.com, get the brownie batter puffs now, or even the birthday cake ones, which are pretty goaded as well. Use the code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. The promo code is LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. NBA Draft coming up. Make sure you are checking out Locked On NBA Big Board, hosted by our friend here, Rafael Barlow. He's going to be on the show next week, I believe, talking about some NBA Draft prospects. We've got a Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, Lee Thulin over there as well, doing uh, Locked On NBA uh, Big Board. Heaps of great information. Um, make sure you're checking out that podcast. All right. Let's do what we need to do here. And that is talk about the big fella, Luka Doncic. Teased it at the start of the show, because I am a professional broadcast person, about Luka Doncic and his value. Well, what did he do this year? Ah, some pretty bloody good stuff. 20, he started off slowly, we know that. 28.4 points, three threes, nine rebounds, almost nine assists, 1.2 steals, 0.6 blocks, 46 and 74 is his percentages. 
He had an ADP of three. He was taken number one in a lot of drafts. Actually, let's before I talk about that, in points leagues, 53 fantasy points, fourth ranked player. Right? There is absolutely no problem. I don't think we're taking Doncic at one, two, three, or four in a points league. He was a little bit off number one this year, but not too far. It's not a disaster. Taking him at number one in a category league, I don't think is the greatest move. Again, he was 12th this year, but in saying all of that, in saying all of that, last season he was 16th in category leagues. The year before he was ninth. And I know people will complain about the turnovers, but you know my thoughts on turnovers. Do not care about them. The other thing is, is the reason why he... Yeah, 28, 9, and 9 is, is fantastic. Over yeah, 1.2 steals and 3 threes. They're all great numbers. So why is he 12th? Well, it's 74% from the line on 7 attempts. That's it. Yes, he's not a great field goal guy, 46% there. That's not a disaster number at all. Punt free throws, he's 5th. So getting those bulk counting stats, the huge scoring, the big rebounds, the big assists, the big steals... Not big steals, pretty good steals. The big threes. All of that is super valuable. If you are willing to be a little bit of a negative in free throw percentage, then he's, I think it's totally fine to draft him at the top. You've got Jokic, of course. But you wouldn't feel comfortable drafting Harden there anymore. How confident are you drafting Embiid in the top five? You probably will, but ugh, who knows? Are we still going Curry in the top five? If you're drafting Giannis in the top five, you're punting free throws. It's the same rationale for Doncic. So while in the past, I've been pretty against it of, of picking Doncic, especially in the top three, I don't think I'm going to have a problem with picking him top six next season. Because again, that top five group with Harden sort of dropping out of consideration there and still risks associated with Steph, who didn't finish in the top three this year, with him being in potential injury problems with knees and backs and all that sort of stuff. With all that that tied in there, I don't think it's going to be a bad pick. Doncic, probably your number one overall dynasty player. Him or Jokic, but it's probably Doncic. Do I need to really go through his advanced stats? I will, but... Yeah, was he a plus... Oh, he's, he's on off us, wasn't that good, actually? Plus 0.2. But, of course, he's massively on top on this team in Raptor. Huge. His wins above replacement was the best on the team. His EPM was 96th percentile on the NBA. Um, he finished at the rim at a high level. Mid-rangers, threes, he shot pretty well. And there's still room for improvement there. His LeBron was really high too. The reason there's room for improvement is he shot 35% from three. Yeah, that 35 goes to 37. The 74 from the line goes to 77. And yeah, usage it can't literally can't go any higher at 37%. But... That takes, if those percentages jump those little bit, extra one percentage points, 28 points becomes 30 points. And then the top five is, is, is pretty clear, I think, for Doncic. And it's not like this team has a bunch of other blokes um, who are coming to take his role and all any of that sort of stuff. Let's look at the burner. Jalen Brunson, who is a player that I've liked in the past. I just didn't think that we'd get the role out of him this year that we did. I didn't think that Jason Kidd, and this was a great move from Kidd. One of the things that I criticized, we'll, talk, we'll go backwards a little bit here. One of the things I criticized Kidd for at the start of the year was um, he was taking the ball out of Doncic's hands. And the offense was like, let's give guys like Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, and Dorian Finney-Smith op opportunities to initiate the offense. And it didn't work. It was horrendous. Their offense stunk. But then the method of what kid was trying to do 
made sense when he actually put a secondary ball handler into the starting lineup with Brunson. And then it worked bloody brilliantly. And I think the lesson you take there is it's very good to take a bit of that pressure off Doncic, but the other guys who are doing it have to actually know what they're doing. So benching Tim Hardaway to start Jalen Brunson was probably the move that got the Mavs season back on track because they struggled for a, for a while to start the season. They were bad. And a lot of it was offensive system. But making the adjustment, putting Brunson in, I don't know if fixed it is the right word, but fixed it. Brunson averaged 16, 4, and 5, 0.8 steals, 1.2 triples. You'd like for that to be a little bit higher. The shooting is amazing. 50 and 84, 87th in category leagues, and he was 92nd in points leagues, averaging 29 points. He shot 37% from three, but just the volume wasn't there. That's what we'd like to improve because if you only 25% of your shots are coming from three, if that goes to 40, then the 16 points become 18 points. The 1.23s become 2.13s. Yeah, maybe the field goal percentage drops a little, but 87th becomes 70th. Now, if he does go to another team and he's in a role where his usage can spike a little bit, it's at 22 here for Dallas. He maybe becomes a 24, 25 usage guy. That's interesting. The big thing to watch with Brunson, though, is that all these 16, 4, all that sort of stuff, that's great. The five assists could very easily be seven and a half on another team. He is a player. Now, I talk about this a lot as well. And I talked about it on yesterday's show. I think we should say, I'm talking about Spencer Dinwiddie, who we'll talk about here soon. Is a lot of people got excited about him going from backup to number one guy in Washington's number one point guard. And the numbers didn't really make sense to me that he would become that player. I think it's the opposite for Brunson. In the opposite is that if he does go to another team and become the number one point guard, that actually the hype will um, be justified. And he will be a player that would be pretty happy, I reckon, taken in the top 60, maybe top 50. If he stays in Dallas, the path to improve is shooting more threes. It's also going from 0.8 steals to 1.2 steals. And then you're talking top 70. So he's going to be a top 100 player, almost without doubt, next season. And it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. His on-off was really good, plus 2.3. His Raptor was second on the team. Well, actually third on the team because Frank Nilakina was second. His EPM was third on the team in the 86th percentile in the NBA. He There is, I guess, some scariness with the shooting numbers. He hit 50% of his shots from uh, the mid-range, and the vast majority of his shots were mid-rangers. 50% is a very high number. And when you're taking the bulk of your shots there, if that falls, if that goes to 46, 47, then a lot of that value, which, let's be fair, most of his category league value comes from that really good field goal percentage. Second best category marginally behind assists. If that drops off, then we're in trouble. And the worry that I'd have there... I guess if he goes to another team, yeah, assists might go to seven and a half, right? But the 50% in a different environment might become 46%, and that hurts. That could be offset by usage, but it'll just be a change in his overall um, fantasy profile would be my guess in terms of how that all um, pans out. But in terms of how BetOnline pans out, I know how it pans out. BetOnline is the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including the basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball. Um, what else have we got? Hockey playoffs, fights, even futures for the NFL. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. If we have a look at the odds today, the 
Mavericks are one and a half point favorites on Bet Online against the Warriors. I reckon the Warriors might have cooked them in game three. I think I'd take the Warriors plus 1.5 there. Head to the website today, use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Bet Online is where the game starts. Let's look at Dorian Finney Smith. Because after Doncic and Bronson, it's a little bit rough from a fantasy point of view. In category leagues, Finney Smith was there or thereabouts. He had some decent runs, he had some poor runs. 123rd ranked player, average 11 and 5 with 2.23, two assists, one steal, 47 and 67 from the line. So, what did he contribute? Some threes and steals. Again, a guy whose value is gets inflated by low turnovers because he never handles the ball and has low usage. And realistically, he's a stream option for threes. He got a nice extension, which is great. He's only 29. He's probably got, I would say, two years left at being this level of player. Not to say that he won't be worth his contract or anything like that, but from a fantasy point of view, around two years, I would guess, at this level. And still, I don't really see upside for him becoming great. Finney Smith was 149th in points leagues, averaging 23 fantasy points per game. He's really impactful for this squad defensively and hitting those threes, plus 3.9 on off. Um, yeah, the advanced numbers are pretty strong for him in, in most situations. Second on this team in EPM. Yeah, really efficient shooting, really strong defensively as well. It's all really, really useful, but it doesn't translate across to fantasy production, and I don't really think it ever will. The next guy is way more interesting, and that is Spencer Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie split his season between the Wizards and the Mavericks, averaged 13.7 with 1.7 triples, 4 rebounds, 5 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.2 blocks. And that was 154th in categories. And he was 130 in points leagues, 28 points. And what we talked about him at the start of the season was much better in points leagues than he's in categories. He was getting, his ranking on ESPN was like 49 or something, which was insane. And it was too high on Yahoo as well. But for points leagues, it was always going to be more inflated. And you can see why. Right, He doesn't get steals, he doesn't get blocks, he doesn't really hit threes, and he's got bad percentages. So what he w- what you were hoping he would get was a real bump in assists and a bump in points. And that really didn't come to fruition. He came across to Dallas and really fired up to begin his tenure there, and then fell off completely. And he's been a little bit hit or miss in the playoffs. His value could spike somewhat if Brunson leaves next season. But if they've got Brunson back and Doncic... And Tim Hardaway's back healthy. You don't... This 154th will seem high. You won't want him in standard leagues. He'll play 26 minutes a night. He'll occasionally have a game where he has 25 points on 70% with six assists. And then he'll go for seven points and eight points and nine points. If Brunson leaves, it helps him somewhat. But he's still not going to be a high priority player, would be my guess. I think he gets overrated quite a bit for his fantasy contributions. Now, he's... Um, Advanced numbers weren't terrible this year. They were okay. They weren't terrible. He played 29 and a half minutes. Again, that's going to depend on Brunson, but I reckon that comes down next season. But the encouraging thing is the advanced stuff was okay. And that gives him value um, for this squad. Just the problem is, in points leagues, maybe you draft him. In category leagues, I don't see the path for Dinwiddie at age 29 here on this squad to do too much more than the numbers we saw this season. Like it's 30 minutes. He might play five fewer minutes a game next season. And that is a recipe for fantasy disaster if you're drafting him around the hundreds. This is what I said, man. Like after these guys, what the hell else am I talking about here? Dwight Powell. Like he had a nice, decent run, but he finished 202nd. 
He averaged nine and five, half a steal, half a block. And the reason he had value was percentages, 67 and 78. They're really good numbers, especially 67 from the field. It's a huge number, but only played 22 a night. Occasionally he would play more. It did help a little bit when Porzingis left, but you know, the injuries and inefficiencies at times of Maxi Kleber helped Powell's minutes. I just don't think there's really any upside in Dwight Powell. And in points leagues, 237th, there's just no value in him whatsoever. And we've seen in the playoffs, like at the moment, like he's really struggling against Golden State. He can't, but that happens to centers a lot against Golden State. He can't really stay on the court at all. His advanced numbers strong, like fourth on his team in EPM behind Brunson, Finney Smith, and Doncic. That's encouraging. He was a solid player again in the LeBron metric. In Raptor, he was pretty solid. Actually, in Raptor, it wasn't quite as good. He's just totally fine as a 20 to 24 minute a night center who occasionally will have good games in fantasy, but nowhere near enough to have any value. And he's 30. Or he's actually 31. He's going to turn 31 in a couple of months. That's not ideal. Speaking of not ideal, Tim Hardaway Jr. Shocking contract. Really, really great for him, actually. But shocking contract. He's got three more years left at a bit over 50 million. And he's 30 already. And coming off a broken foot. He played under 30 minutes. He averaged 14 points, two and a half threes. Four boards, two assists, 0.9 steals, shot 39%, which included 34% from three and 76 from the line. And he played a smaller role. If Brunson's back, I don't think there's any way you'd want to draft him anyway for fantasy. And 135th in points leagues. If Brunson's back, there's no way you touch him. And I think they'd love to dump that contract and send him somewhere else. One of those players that I will bang on and bang on about if you're not getting big minutes with high usage, what else are you doing? And the answer for Hardaway is absolutely nothing and ends up hurting you with the shooting percentages. Like he still averaged 14 points, but 14 points isn't, isn't great. Like it's fine, it's not great. And 2.43s, I can find that with any bloke. Like it, there's so many spuds that come off the wire that you can find two threes a game from it's so easily. And there's just no value. Like, I don't care that he comes back. I'm not touching him in drafts next season. Maxi Kleber, one of the more frustrating players in fantasy because at times he's really good. Three threes, four blocks, great defense. And then he'll play 12 minutes and have zero points. It's, it's frustrating. He averaged seven points, six rebounds, half a steal, but one block and 1.43. Like, that's the value. But shot under 40%. 71 from the line and 215th. He had stretches where yeah, you added him and you ran with it and then you drop him. And that just feels like it's what it's constantly going to be for Kleber. He's 30 as well. Wouldn't say he's getting any younger. Well, he's actually, let me rephrase that. Like all of us, he definitely isn't getting any younger. But he's also maybe not getting any healthier with those persistent knee problems. We've seen at times how good he can be defensively. And if the shot can start to come back, which I'm not ruling that out, there's a chance he can be a fringe 12-team league player. But Kid didn't really trust him to play the big minutes most of the regular season. Some of that's injury-related. I would have loved to have just seen them roll with him 30 a night. And 30 a night for him probably makes him a 12-team league player. But is that something that Kid will do next season? I would hope that he would. And yeah, if his body holds up to it. But when this team is running with two centers, Powell and Kleber, who are 31 and 30 and have uh, significant injury histories, and there's no other real centers on this team, it's a worry. It's a worry about where they go from there. Now, again, Kleber, really solid defensively. 
Offensively, it was just completely off, and you know, that needs to improve, and it can improve. But you know, your faith long term is not really there. Talking about a bloke who stunk, Reggie Bullock, great bloke, one of the best blokes in the entire NBA, won the award for community action, social justice. I think I don't know what it's called exactly this season. Great bloke, but just couldn't hit anything. Eight point six points, two threes. There's another one of those guys. You can just get two threes off the wire. But what else does he do? Point six steals. Three and a half boards, 263rd in category, shooting 40% from the field. He actually shot 36% from three, which is massive considering he was about 20% for about two months and really had to step it up weight. 276 in points leagues. There's just the, the, the path for him to be fantasy relevant is 35 minutes, thanks Tom Thibodeau. It's 44% from three. It's hitting three threes per game with 12 points and getting 1.2 steals. And that's just not there. And that's just not exciting. It's like a, little, a slightly better Dorian Finney-Smith in an absolute best-case scenario. But I just I don't really think he, he is 31 as well. I don't think that we're going to get that level from him back again. We saw it a little bit with the Knicks, but it came on so many big minutes. It's just not possible. He struggled with the advanced numbers this year as well. They weren't particularly kind to him. He was sort of league average or below for most of the year, and a large part because the shooting just completely deserted him for some reason. Let's talk Josh Green, who is an absolute offensive nothing. He's a zero. I was impressed with him at times, and he did work his way into the regular rotation before sort of being phased out towards the end of the playoffs here, but average under five points. Two rebounds, an assist, 0.7 steals. Shot 51 and 69, and while I should have dropped a giggity a lot earlier than that I did, giggity. Um, the 51% might might... I guess gloss over or completely cover the fact that he's a bad shooter that's really good shooting it's 68% at the rim which is the real main reason there 38% on uh, mid-rangers and 36% from three but he doesn't take enough volume there he's a quite a bad offensive player but defensively I think he's pretty good and with Hardaway aging with Bullock aging with Brunson's future uncertain there are minutes here if he can develop into at least a Dorian Finney-Smith level of offensive player. I'm just not sure he ever does that. But some encouraging signs from Joshi this season to be able to work his way into that rotation, to be able to hold up defensively. But offensively, it's such a massive zero that you worry about what happens after that. Speaking about zeros, Davis Bertans' defense. He came across in the Pozinga steal. He averaged 5.6 points with 1.4 triples. He shot 36% overall from the field, 34% from three. He was one of those guys that when he signed that contract, I was sort of critical of it. I said, oh, I don't like this. Way too much money, way too long. I said the same thing about Duncan Robinson's deal, actually. And every time when I said it as my immediate reaction, the pushback I got, which ended up changing my mind as well, was like, hey, you pay for shooting. You have to pay for shooting. And well, no, I guess so. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Yeah, I guess, yeah, it's only 17 million a year. That's not too bad. They can be elite shooters. But no. Robinson out of the rotation for Miami. Bertans completely rooted knees and just nothing. And I think these one-dimensional shooters are getting paid this money off you know, one or two good shooting seasons when if that doesn't happen, if the shooting drops off, well, they're unplayable. And that's where we are with Bertans at the moment. 34% from three. Like, he needs to be 
Because he's not hitting twos. He's not getting to the line. He's not defending. He's not passing. He's not rebounding. He's not doing anything. And yeah, you'll never want anything to do with him, I don't think, in fantasy leagues again. he's He was quite poor this season in both Dallas and in Washington, I thought. Needed to be better. A couple more players for us to talk about. Marquise Chris is on this team. Showed enough. He's only 25. So with Powell and Kleber aging up, if Chris can get things sorted, he could be an okay backup center. He averaged four points, three rebounds, half a steal, half a block, 46 and 67. I'm not writing him off. Like I would much rather have him than Bertans and long-term in Dynasty than like Bullock and and probably Powell. Not saying that Kleber even ever not Kleber, if Chris ever gets to the level of where Powell is now, he might not. But he's got a he's got a chance to at least. Not not off on him. He always had a great fantasy game, just was horrific on the court. And he's improved that. His advanced stuff is really bad. Like it's really bad. Um, and that's a concern. And the fact that he's you know, behind Kleber and Powell in the rotation is a worry. But there is a scaric of hope, I guess. And the last bloke to talk about here is Frank Nilkina, who averaged four points, half a steal, shot 96% from the line, interestingly, and shot, what, 35 from three? But he's just a zero. He's just an offensive zero. Defensively, he can hold up okay. Pretty good, usually, actually, defensively. Um, but offensively, he's a zero. We've seen it for four or five years now. That's it. It's just not going to come around for him. The other guys on this team, we've got Sterling Brown, who was bad this year. Theo Pinson, who showed flashes. Trey Burke, who I know is a bucker and a real bucket and a real hooper, and he's 30 years of age and can't defend shit and shouldn't be in the NBA an NBA rotation at all. Yet real hoopers will know that he's you know, obviously the key to winning things. Five points with 1.4 assists for Burke. He shouldn't be playing. And then you've got Boban and Moses Wright. Again, we know what Boban is at this point. And Moses Wright, young at least, but upside not particularly great. And that will do it for the Dallas Mavericks. Tomorrow, I'm going to do... The Warriors or the Heat? Probably the Warriors tomorrow uh, without yeah, knowing how their playoffs finish. And then we'll finish off the um, regular season season reviews with the Miami Heat on Friday and then into some draft stuff and some other fun shows that I've got coming up next week. So don't forget, you'll never miss them if you follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're on YouTube, thumb it up. Leave your comments down below. Guys, we're done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.